this week, our, our nation's focus has, has been on what happened Monday night in Cincinnati with the Monday night football game and the, the injury to uh, DeMar Hamill. And it's been just an outpouring of, of collective prayer that turned the tide on this young man and spared his life. And so thank you for all of you who, who prayed for him. And uh, we're excited about the, the great outcome uh, of those prayers. Family Matters, our, our new message series starts today, and we'll be talking about all phases of family, whether you're single or, or married, whether you have kids or grandchildren or, or don't have kids or grandchildren. Next week, we're going to focus on, on singles, uh, those who've not been, we, we've all at some point not been married, but we've all been single. And so the week after that, we'll explore how children matter to God and and then during the, the next few weeks, we're going to see how, how families matter to God. So I, I want us to begin just with a, a, a time of prayer for a few moments. If we could uh, dim the lights down and bow your heads, and we're just going to pray uh, for families here for a minute at the beginning uh, before I, I return here. Lord, we lift up our families today. As we begin this series, we invite you to speak to us at, at whatever point we're at in it, uh, whether single or married, whether we have kids or, or not, that you'll help us to, to see our role in your family, and we'll come away with a better appreciation for being a part of, of that family. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. An elderly woman was walking down the road when she heard a voice. And she looked down and she saw, she couldn't believe her eyes, but it was a talking frog. The frog looked up at her and said, If you kiss me, I will become a handsome prince. The elderly woman picked up the frog and put it in her pocket and walked on down the road. And again, the frog said, If you kiss me, I will become a handsome prince. And the old woman responded, at my age, I think I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> so th that's the way it happens, right? You, you, you meet your prince, you, you fall in love, you get married and, and live happily ever after. Well, that, that's the goal, but it doesn't always work out that way. And marriage takes a lot of work. You've probably heard the slogan, this cliche that's often repeated at weddings where I've often said marriage is designed by God to double our joys and divide our sorrows. And I think this truly captures the essence of why God ordained this additional level of companionship. It's a huge topic, marriage, to approach in a 30-minute message, but I want to take aim at four keys to a healthy marriage and discover what the Bible says about each. Uh, the first key, I invite you to take some notes today on your, on your bulletin there, is communication. 
And let's go to James chapter 1, verse 19 and verse 20, where we read, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's great value in a married couple talking, sharing, regularly communicating with each other. And that interaction helps foster a closer connection with each other. I remember as a child watching my dad carry a three-by-five card in his, his pocket. And throughout the day, he would stop and jot something down. And what he was doing was writing down notes of things he wanted to tell my mom about that night. You know, hey, this happened today. I think you'd be interested in this. Or I, I saw so-and-so today. We haven't seen them for a long time. They said to tell you hi. And so at the dinner table, he would detail his day and, and she became a part of it, although she hadn't been present and, and been with him. And I, I think that's this value of, of communication. Often in marriage, um, opposites attract. And one spouse may be more outgoing, more of an extrovert. One spouse may be more to him or herself, more of a, an introvert. And one may report on the day in monosyllables and the other may elaborate in lengthy detail about all that took place throughout the hours they were apart. And so both differences would do well to understand the other's nature, and both would benefit by moving toward a more centric approach to communicating about the hours they were apart that day. Many of you remember how Former Cincinnati Bengals tight end Bob Trumpy for years hosted a, a radio talk show on WLW, a sports show. And one evening he took a call from a woman who said, I think your show stinks. And politely Trumpy asked her, why do you feel that way? She said, my husband. He sits there listening to your show with a, a set of headphones on and he ignores me and the children. I can't communicate with him. He won't pay any attention to me. Is he listening now? Yes, of course he is. That's all he ever does. That's why I called you. I, I can't even talk to him. Hmm, said Trumpy. Do you want me to give him a message over the air? Sure, the woman said. Try it. His, his name is Mike. Uh, just tell him I'm going to the store now. I'll be back around 830. <laughs> Tell him to watch the kids and make sure the house doesn't burn down. Trumpy returned to the microphone and said, I got it. Uh, hang on. Hey, hey, Mike, listen. Your wife just called, and she'd like for you to know she's going to the store. She'll be back around 830. She wants you to watch the kids and make sure the house doesn't burn down. Cheerfully, Trumpy returned to the phone. Done, he told the woman. Any reaction? Yes, she answered. He's nodding his head and waving goodbye. <laughs> I'm sure we all have some room for improvement when it comes to listening to the needs of others. We, we can be like that elderly man who had seen his doctor for a physical, and a week later the doctor was eating at, at a nice dinner club when he was shocked to see his aged patient out dancing enthusiastically with a, a young woman in her 20s. 
And the doctor rushed up and asked his patient, what are you doing? He said, I'm just following your advice, doc. <laughs> he said, well, what do you think I prescribed? You told me get a bad hot mama and be cheerful. No, 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 the doctor said. I said, you've got a bad heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> we're, we're not always listening as, as closely as we should be. And James says, brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Often in marriage, we can rush in. We can jump to a conclusion. When we speak before listening or thinking, we really make matters worse. The first key to communication isn't rocket science. It involves applying this simple but profound biblical principle that directs us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That value is a major help whether you are single or, or whether you are married. It will help you whether you have kids or whether you don't have kids. It's a value that will improve your communication all day long with anyone that you encounter. Stephen Covey put it this way. He said, work first to understand, then to be understood. The first key to a successful marriage is communication. That's the second key is conflict resolution. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul says, speak the truth in love. And we're to be honest, but, but, but not brutal. We're to convey and communicate in a context of, of care and, and love for others. And then farther down in that same chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, Beginning in verse 25, he writes, Therefore, each of you should put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. He, he reiterates this importance of, of, of honesty in our relationships. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. When we go to bed angry and carry over that hurt, it can begin to, to fester, and it provides an access for the devil, a foothold. gives him a way to come in between a husband and a wife. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. An unresolved conflict is that bitter root that will grow up and, and, and push a, a couple apart. So a consistent key in long-lasting marriages is this ability to resolve anger quickly without carrying it over to the next day. Don't go to, to bed mad. Work through the differences before they become a, a root of bitterness that can strangle the relationship. Now, unresolved anger is cancer in, in marriage. Sometimes you'll find yourself at, at a standoff 
at a stalemate, poles apart, and you must simply agree to disagree, but make conflict resolution a key to improving the health of your marriage. Key number three is closeness. Another word is intimacy, but that term is heard and interpreted differently by men and women. Intimacy to most men suggests sexual intimacy, but intimacy to most women means this emotional connection or intimacy. So I'm going to use the term closeness, which certainly includes the the sexual aspect of intimacy, but it's, it's more encompassing of this overall closeness that, that God designed to be experienced in a healthy marriage. Let, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 and, and following. And Paul writes to the Corinthians, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So this passage is teaching that one spouse can't constantly expect sexual relations and and the other spouse can't constantly decline those relations. It is God's will that there be regular physical expressions of love in marriage. And this God-ordained marital expression provides the, the bonding that is to be exclusively enjoyed with one spouse. In verse 5, teaches us that avoiding this important aspect of marriage greatly weakens the fabric of the marital relationship and subjects it to susceptibility for infidelity. Well, let's, let's read on back in Ephesians 5, verse 31. It says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That phrase, the two will become one flesh, definitely refers to the the sexual union of a married couple, but it goes beyond that to to describe this closeness that is a key to a healthy marriage. One of the great myths of our time is that love is self-sustaining. It is not. Love must be built and fed and nurtured and developed every single day. Psychologists refer to this as making investments in the love bank. Willard Harley detailed it in his helpful book, His Needs, Her Needs. The emotional deposits take the form of spending time together, serving one another, giving gifts, date nights, offering encouragement or praise or or support. And couples are are cautioned to avoid emotional withdrawals associated with hasty judgments, unkind words, critical natures, disrespect, 
And just as with a savings account, if you make too many withdrawals, you will reach a, a zero balance and, and find your marriage relationship bankrupt. And so for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Again, here's this picture of joy being doubled, sorrows being divided, this partnership of sharing life with someone in a close walk. I believe it extends to a spiritual closeness that a couple can share when they are both Christians. Sharing about spiritual things often comes more easily for women than for men. Men usually do want to share that aspect of their spiritual lives, but they often don't find it natural or, or know just how to, how to make that happen. So, so men, we must work to overcome this awkwardness and open up that emotional side. Until I had kids, I never cried about anything as a teen, as a young adult. I wasn't attempting to be stoic or, or macho. It, it just was a matter that that emotional side of me had not been fully engaged yet. But that has never been difficult for my wife. My, my wife can tear up at a good commercial. <laughs> Bounty paper towels, it really is the quicker picker-upper. Uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you, but you get the point. I, I remember the moment when that changed for me. We were at the movie theater watching the animated Disney cartoon, The Little Mermaid. And after this climactic reunion of Ariel and her father and the restoration of their relationship, the, the movie was over, the lights came on, and Johnny had some tears, and she leaned over and whispered, let's not leave right away. And I said, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> As I wiped tears from my eyes. Now, it wasn't the animated story that, that got me. It was the message of a, a daughter and her father restoring their broken relationship. It was the sum total of countless counseling sessions with families in distress. It was that euphoria when they find reconciliation, and, and that's what brought tears to my eyes. My, my parents, especially my mom, began praying for the woman I would marry when I was only eight years old. And she prayed probably every day of her life uh, for my future wife and for, for my brother's future wife. And she didn't know who it would be then. And personally, I hadn't decided yet either. And so she began praying for, for years. And so I, I want to encourage you to pray for your spouse, pray with your spouse, and pray for your children's future spouses. It will help you foster key number three, this closeness that God intends in marriage. The, the, the fourth and final key to a healthy marriage is companionship. Marriage is intended to be a, a great example of teamwork. The CEO of a large company was traveling through New England when he stopped to, to fill up his, his car, and 
Outside the car, he noticed that his wife and the gas attendant were talking for, for a long time. And when they drove off, the husband asked his wife, who was that? She said, well, that, that was my old boyfriend, the, the guy that I, I almost married. And the husband spoke smugly, well, I guess you must feel pretty lucky. And instead of being married to a successful executive, your husband could have been a, a gas attendant. She said, no, you don't understand. If, if I would have married him, he'd be the CEO. <laughs> the ladies got that quickly. Yeah, marriage comes from God. And in the Bible, he's given us instructions for successful marriage. And there's some verses found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that, that talk about friendship and, and talk about teamwork. And they, they take on a special significance in the context of marriage. This is what wise Solomon wrote. Chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes, beginning in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And that third strand represents the Lord. And weaving him closely into the fabric of your marriage will help to prevent it from unraveling. When Ray Perkins was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in an interview he was asked, does your wife object to your 18-hour work days? His answer was, I don't know. I don't see her that much. <laughs> Well, spending time together is a way of communicating value to each other, this companionship. I want you to go back in your mind to the early days of romance when you just wanted to spend time together talking and, and experiencing life, and you really became each other's best friend. In Hollywood, marriages are often sacrificed because of career and uh, the, the fast lane and just all that goes with that entertainment culture and a marriage that has, has managed to survive in Hollywood has, has been the marriage of, of actor Alan Alda and his wife and she made this observation when asked about how their marriage had, had survived and beaten the odds and, and made it when most Hollywood marriages don't. And she said this, it's not hard to divorce your husband, but it is hard to divorce your best friend. So be sure to cultivate a closeness in which you are each other's best friend. That's the companionship that God really intended to, to be present in marriage. Marriage is the most basic unit of society. Uh, the, the family is the starting place. But before government, before work, before church, it began in the garden with Adam and, and Eve. And so if you're married today, would you make this your petition? God, make our home a house of joy where love and faith are given. Make it the dearest place to us, the nearest place to heaven. I want to ask you to bow your heads and I, I want to close my message the way we began the message and, and 
we prayed earlier for families. I, I want to pray specifically right now over the marriages that are represented by those who are, are here present or those who are viewing this message online or those who will hear this message on the radio next week. And so would you join me in, in praying for, for our marriages right now? Dear God, we, we know that this is uh, your plan for, for marriage to, to strengthen, enhance, and improve our, our lives, to give us uh, support and, and backup. And yet, Lord, uh, we know how much pressure there is on marriages today uh, from our adversary, the evil one, and how he wants to attack and, and dismantle and destroy marriages and, and hurt families. And so, Lord, I just pray your, your blessing on every family represented within the sound of my voice. I, I ask for your preservation in, in those marriages. I, I pray, Lord, as, as they are, are working in, in their relationships, that they would develop these keys of, of communication, of conflict resolution. They would find that closeness and spiritual connection to you and that Lord they would be each other's best friends and, and companions and so I, I pray right now that you would um, give grace to the marriages that are represented let forgiveness be extended where that needs to happen I pray that your Holy Spirit would promote healing and, and unity and and restoration where that is, is, is lacking. So, Lord, we, we just place our marriages in your hands and ask for your help in, in making them the, the best relationships that we can possibly forge. And we pray in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to sing a song of decision. If you need to respond to the Lord in some way, today that's a chance for you to come forward and, and we'll help you with the next steps.